0: Hello? Hello! Hello! Hello. All right. Thank you for all coming to the January 2015 Golden Beer Talks. We're now more than one year into this, and people keep coming, so we must be doing something right. (laughs) One thing we might be doing right is occasionally having free beer. And tonight is the elusive Free Beer Night, being sponsored by Miller Coors, and um, this is today. Not a tomorrow free beer night, but a today free beer night. And Fred Linton from Miller Coors has donated the beer. And I'm, I'm gesturing to his wife because Fred is under the weather. So his wife is here in his stead. And um, I'm sure she would appreciate thank yous. Now my soon-to-be 22-year-old daughter tomorrow uh, was here this weekend, and I think maybe she took her first beer tour of a brewery, and she went with one of her friends from high school, and they went and they did the Coors beer tour, and she said, do you know they have free beer at the end of the tour? And I said, yes, I did know that, but did you know we're going to have free beer Tuesday night at Golden Beer Talks? She didn't know that. Anyway, um, you know, I think truly with with free beer occasionally available at different places, Golden truly is a special place. Um, So Coors is the featured beer tonight, Miller Coors, to be honest. uh, And they have now obtained a total of 278 awards at the World Beer Cup and the Great American Beer Festival, which are both hosted by the Brewers, by the uh, Brewers Association, which is up in Boulder. at the 2014 World Beer Cup, they swept the American-style lager, light lager, Pilsner category, and they also had seven other beers winning awards. And tonight we have some rather unusual beers, and I guess some of them are already gone. Um, But we have Coors Banquet beer, which is actually a very nice light lager beer, and I think it's, it's quite a nice beer. We also have Colorado Native, which is made with all Colorado ingredients, including even the glass that it's packaged in, and it's only available in Colorado. And then the more unusual two beers are both from Blue Moon Brewing, and one is their Rounder beer which is a kind of a uh, medium-bodied, I'd say it was relatively red ale, uh, but a little more hoppy and a little more bitter. And then they also have this farmhouse ale, which was an invention of their brewer from traveling through Belgium and trying the different beers. And so he tried to combine two beers into this farmhouse red ale, which is... Uh, Not something I've seen very commonly available. And it's uh, a little bit sweeter, kind of malty, another medium-bodied red ale, uh, and um, I thought it was quite tasty. And so, uh, if you would, I, I would appreciate it if you would thank Kim Linton and Fred Linton for once again providing free beer. And with that, I'll introduce Pamela Gould to introduce the speaker.
1: Job, for yeah, our beer ambassador always does a spectacular job preparing for his uh, his announcements about beer and tasting everything. So I just want to um, start by saying a few thank yous. Thank you, as always, to the Windy Saddle for hosting us here this evening, and and I would like to say thank you for, to Dana for her generous donation. And... And I think those are all my announcements. Those are pretty quick announcements this evening. So I'm really excited to get to the speaker tonight. We have a great talk. Um, Jonathan Stalls is here this evening. He is going to tell us about life at three miles per hour. Um, I just met Jonathan tonight, but I actually met I don't see her. Rachel. Where are you, Rachel? Right there. There she is. (laughs) Who helped us arrange some walks in Golden, and through her, she was talking about this amazing guy, Jonathan, who had walked across the country, and I said, oh, I think I know a crowd of people that would want to hear about his experience. And so he's here tonight to tell us what it was like to walk across the country, and maybe a little bit about the birth of this organization he has that's encouraging walking, which is something we hold near and dear to our hearts here in Golden. So Jonathan. (laughs) Great.
2: <laughs> okay tall guy here here we go oh you're fine good well th- thank you guys this is awesome this is such a great venue great sound system great sound system too can everybody hear me okay great very good Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. This is definitely a topic that is definitely near and dear to the spirit of Golden, as I've experienced um, over the last ten, fifteen years of being Colorado, and um, so I'm just excited to bring you into this mission, the story, um, and, and, and I'm going to start with <clears throat> turning on my timer because I can tell you stories for hours. Um, so uh, thinking about walking across the country, thinking about long-distance walking, rambling, sauntering, and hiking, obviously, fits in the same category sometimes. So imagine all of us just leaving from here, right, leaving from here and walking to the Pacific Ocean, leaving from here and walking to the Atlantic Ocean. waking up tomorrow morning and just deciding that you're going to get your backpack and you're going to do what you can mentally and emotionally to prepare for, let's simplify it a little bit, and just walk to the Colorado state line in whatever direction you want. What does that mean? And not necessarily driving to a trailhead and looking up the ADT and the CDT and the PCT, and for those of you that don't know, those are popular long distance through hiking trails that give people a lot of tools for how to plan and prepare literally leaving from your house and walking to the state line. Literally leaving from your workspace and leaving to walk to the state line. Maybe you don't get there, but you're heading there. It's a journey. You're kind of preparing your mind for that. What comes up? You know, There's fears. There's questions. Where would I stay? Where would I sleep? And the list goes on and on. Um, So in 2010, um, my dog Kanoa and I left the Delaware coast um, and walked for 3,030 miles um, across the country. And eight and a half months later, we finished in San Francisco. Woo! Woo! Yeah, <laughs> that was right. And, and I entered that journey um, very much not a backpacker, not a hiker. Um, I, I had gone hiking a couple times on day trips, and I had done camping once in a while. Um, but I had not prepared for something like that. Not for the mental and the emotional and everything that comes with this vast... Spray of unknowns um, when you give yourself to traveling the way that we 're built to be traveling um, so thinking about this walk, thinking about a route right so how many of you familiar how many of you have done through hiking or long distance hiking? Okay, so we have some people in here that kind of have that awareness, have that space. I mean, it's golden, so I, you know, there's a lot of mountaineering, backpacking culture breathing on these streets and in these programs here. But, but thinking through a long-distance hike, um, I started with the ADT, which is actually the American Discovery Trail. So this is another long-distance trail association that has this rough spray of, of guides and, and routes, but it's, it's, it's a long way to get as organized as some of the others. So I got myself off of that trail once I started, just a couple days. And I felt, you know what, I want to get, if I can, I'm shooting to finish this by the end of 2010. So that's, this started in March of 2010. And and I was hoping that this would be, you know, I, I, I knew that I wanted people. I wanted, I, I felt like I was going, I wanted to go towards something. I didn't feel like I was running away from anything. I didn't feel, it was something I was very aware that I'm going towards this, this experience in the unknown, the, the the daily unknown of where am I going to sleep, what am I going to eat, who am I going to depend on, what road looks best, what is this local going to tell me about what tomorrow should look like. And so that's what happened. I left from Delaware, and I've hiked maybe five times, and I've camped ten times, and I've got my obnoxious backpack with half of my stuff actually on my dog because I felt he really needed to carry half of his weight, because <laughs> that's how I put it together, and um, and so I'm leaving and I'm walking, and I, st- and I just start walking, literally, as if you guys were to, you know, in some fashion, wake up tomorrow morning and start walking. Um, so I, my route was through. It took me three days to get across Delaware, which was awesome, to get to that state line in three days. That was exciting. So if you want a nice three-day walking invitation to this, go to Delaware. Three days. Tell everyone. They'll love you for it. Um, but... so. <clears throat> Delaware three days, and then I crossed into Annapolis, Maryland, and then I went down and up the Potomac River on the CNO Canal Trail, which was gorgeous, um, and, and, and I also almost flooded into the Potomac River, and so there's a lot of funny stories there, but I won't go into all those. Um, so I went up south of Pittsburgh through Uniontown, through West Virginia, all the way across, all the way across Ohio, <laughs> Ohio which was awesome in its own right, um, <clears throat> but it was long. Ohio was long. And then I went through Indiana, southern Indiana, through Louisville. So southern Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, into south Indiana, through Illinois, into St. Louis, and then crossed um, crossed into Missouri, and then was actually on the Katy Trail. Has anybody heard of the Katy Trail in Missouri? Awesome. So if you ever visit Missouri, put Katy Trail on that bucket list, because it is an amazing corridor that's only getting more investment into make it making it a really special cross- Walking or cross biking experience um, was on the Katy Trail, and then went into Kansas City, and then went south on Highway 50 all the way across Kansas. Which Kansas was wonderful. The first question people say is like, "How do you how do you do Kansas?" What do you what do you do with Kansas? Like God, Kansas. Like us Colorado folk are just like God, Kansas. Like why Kansas? <laughs> first, second, and and so and it, it, to walk it really told a story of this place that is really really beautiful and so next time you're there just at least stop the car when you think you should when there's a really good sunset and actually stop go down one of those random roads and just walk on one of those small roads for a little bit and you'll get to know Kansas a little bit better. Coming to Colorado, coming through um, Highway 50 in Southern Colorado. So I went through Pueblo, so um, La Junta, Las Animas, La Junta, um, into Pueblo, and then into Salida, um, all the way through the Rockies, through Gunnison, um, to Grand Junction. And then Utah, I can't even, I mean, I could tell you, I could talk to you guys for days about Utah, obviously. How many of you have been to Moab? Okay, yeah. And then, um, so I took Scenic Byway 128, which was... Unbelievable. So Google Maps really screws it up for those new visitors because it says, take I 70 and then go down. You are kind of close to arches, but hear it from me. If you haven't been to Moab, just implant in your brain Scenic Byway 128. It's a little bit longer, but it's hands down much more of an invitation to the heart and song of Utah. So I'm going through Highway 50, and then I come up through, and then I continue kind of scraggling around um, Western Utah. And then I eventually get Highway 50 again outside of Delta, and then I take the loneliest highway in America in Nevada. Oh my gosh! Oh holy gosh! I can't even. There's nothing in this entire walk that stood out as this song of spirit, song of of endless sky and sunset long, long, meditative, reflective, healing, grounding experiences that just day, one day after the next, walking through Nevada. It's the most mountainous state in this country, so Colorado beats its chest like we are. Well, Nevada is. 325-plus <laughs> mountain ranges in Nevada. So they're not near as big and shining and glorious as ours, but there are, they're everywhere. And so along Highway 50, I was going up and over 12 different mountain ranges. Just unlike anything. And if you can imagine going up over a mountain range and into a valley where there's wild horses and the smell of blue sage and the dry lake beds and just the sheer visuals of what happened. And um, it's always fun for me to say that I did see a UFO. (laughs) Swear to God. All of you doubters, haters. I saw one, and it was insane. And it was this, like... Glowing jellyfish orb late at night, and it was bigger than I've ever seen before. And I screamed, and I had a friend with me um, who was in the tent next to me, and she. We had just been told previous that a woman a week previous to us going up and over Sacramento Pass <clears throat> that there was a lot of mountain lion activity, and that a woman had been running up at the pass we had just walked over, that she was attacked by a mountain lion you know, they like to hang out on their ledges and wait till you cross, and then they come from behind and get you right here. So that was a wonderful invitation to Sacramento Pass for her and for I. Um, you should have seen the dance moves that I did when I thought I heard something, because mountain lions want to be, you want to make yourself appear scary and big. And so I would, it was just fun. So, and scary. But to say all that, so we got over the mountain range, and then all of a sudden it's nighttime, sun setting, everything's happening, and <clears throat> I didn't plan to tell you this story. I'm telling you the UFO story, by the way. <laughs> um, so so I, we're up over the pass, and we're watching this thing, and all of a sudden, just as I described, this red, orange, yellow jellyfish starts popping up over the mountains. It's huge. It's obnoxious. It's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I grab my journal, and all, of a do, all, all I do is, because my friend, Jolene, is facing the other direction. so She doesn't have any idea what's going on. And I'm just like, oh, my God, holy crap, holy just Oh, you know, and I'm, there's a few cuss words in there because those are the only words that could come out. And she's like, "Oh my god!" And so her first thought is mountain lion. So she starts suffocating. And I'm, anyway, I, I, I get this thing down. So if you don't believe me, I'll show you my journal at some point. Hopefully, um, check in with me, and I'll show you a photo. <clears throat> All that to say, so, so Nevada, and then I finish through Nevada, and then I come up and over the Sierra Nevadas, and, and into Sacramento, and then into San Francisco. <clears throat> So, so kind of anchoring into that. I mean, I could t- again, I could tell you stories for days on what was experienced on this walk. I didn't have a support vehicle, so this was me. This was me and my backpack. At one stage, my dog went for six and a half months, and then I went for um, on my own with friends and family and random folks who joined me, and a lot of alone time um, the last two months. And <clears throat> I carried a big backpack at the beginning, and then I had this customized bob stroller for the second, for the third portion of it, which was really funny because I had a lot of people thinking I was abusing babies and it was just this <laughs> obnoxious thing at times. But it gave me the capacity to have water and a lot of things. Um, so I'm going to pull back a little bit and so why, why did I do this? Why walk? Why choose to do something like this and take eight and a half months? So rewinding a little bit, I was in college at, U, at Metro State here in Denver. And I was so I, I could there's a lot of answers to that question, but two of them really anchor in around I was becoming a cynical college kid, angry at society, angry at consumerism, angry at just big stuff and not not feeling as connected or as relational or as understanding of food and where food came from, understanding of of of, of earth and nature and, and it just felt like Things could be so much simpler, and they were getting too complicated, and we were getting lied to. And I was angry about it. (laughs) So I was on this path to dig a hole in Nevada and to never return, activist, but then just over it. And it it, it manifested in anger, a lot of anger. That was one thing that was happening. And then the other thing was. was uh, uh, this this theme that a lot of cultures like to really, really build into their fabric of raising young men? And I think we're working on it in this country. But I call you know rite of passage. There was I grew up in a lot of suburban neighborhoods, um, one to the next, pretty one drywalled white wall to the next, um, with a perfectly trimmed uh, sidewalk and, and driveway and invitation into a lot of. isolated families and that was my upbringing a lot of the time. And so I I felt there was something really missing inside. There was something, there's a theme called um, having what it takes that felt empty. And and, and I was insecure. I was really insecure about how do I I face that? How do I work through that? How do I operate in life from a place of strength versus a place of weakness? Um, And I don't know what that means for me but I need something to shake me up if I want to face it. Um, So it felt like I I, I was craving this rite of passage, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I was craving to face this anger and frustration, but I didn't know what that looked like. And Into the Wild came out. Can anybody see Into the Wild? Oh, my God. So... That movie flattened me out. I was a bubbling, crying, emotional wreck after that movie. And then shortly thereafter, I picked up Walk Across America by Peter Jenkins. And it was the perfect book that created the perfect invitation for what I felt was the perfect version of what I needed. And it was. It exactly was. So. Um, looking at and thinking through, so my walk was called Kiva walk, K-I-V-A, so just, I was also, I knew that this was going to be a very inward journey, and I was going to work through some things and push myself, but I also wanted really, I was very aware of wanting something that would pull me outside of myself. Um, So I knew that I wanted to raise awareness for a cause or something that I really cared about. How many of you have heard of Kiva, K-I-V-A, .org? Okay, awesome, a lot of you have. So. Kiva is a micro-lending outfit based in San Francisco, and they generate small loans for entrepreneurs um, all over the world. So for as little entrepreneur in rural Africa, an entrepreneur in New Orleans might be asking for $500 or $1,000 to restart their laundromat because it was destroyed in Katrina, to to starting a, a, a rural urban farm and needing the seed and tools to do so. They just don't have access to that capital to restart and be successful in their space. But they have what it takes to be successful, just like we do. It's those opportunities around money. And so Kiva creates a model where you can give as little as you, me, and 10 other people can give $25 um, to support these entrepreneurs. And in a matter of months, that money's is repaid, repaid to the lender. And you get to recycle that $25 for years to help business owners all over the world. Love the model. Love what it taught. So I took that mission with me and um, just had a lot of fun with schools and different um, newspapers and all kinds of things it was just an amazing marriage of topics um, to talk to people about community banking and money and um, global issues but also you know very rooted community investing issues and things like that um, so thinking through all of that coming to the end of the walk right November 2010 um, as I'm going through, you know there's so many stories that pop up throughout this trip right and, 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 and I could again tell you hundreds of them um, i 'm going to tell one of them really quick this um, an example of hospitality at levels that i can 't even begin to describe this we live in an incredibly hospitable country we are we are good people we don 't hear that message enough we are open a lot more than we think we are um, I was gone for 242 days and I stayed with 120 strangers, 120 strangers, these are people that would, and for various reasons, found me and I call it the evolution of trust, we'd have a conversation and it would just grow, it would just build from there. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Why are you walking across the country? Why do you smell? Why do you look like this? Why does your dog look like a wolf? Is he okay? In fact, I care more about your dog than I do you and I just, like, there's just, it just kind of grew from there and it was this. But it, what happened after fifteen minutes of, of, of good eye contact, good conversation, it was this like, oh my gosh i'm like you could feel in them i 'm about to invite him over to the house. What is my husband going to think, or what is my wife going to think you know and, and that 's what happened and and so an example of that is this woman in rural um, Illinois, and um, I got invited to her house and this is in Albion, Illinois, if anybody 's familiar with rural illinois and she um, I love this story because it, it, it's one of the many lessons that I walked away with from this walk. But she um, invited me over, and she's a really like, she's a carpenter, she's a contractor, she's, she's in her mid-late 60s, and her hands are more callous than, than, than obviously my own and, any, and a lot of people in my life. And she, gave she and when I approached her house, she gave me this really tough handshake, and she's like, Hi, good to see you. My, my grandson here is going to show you the back, and, and, and he's going to show you around the farm here. I've got to finish this trailer. I'll be out to the forest in about an hour. But good, Levi, take him out to the forest like oh my god and just a great handshake and she um, and so she's like and then as we're walking all of a sudden I, I, we bypass her and then we keep walking down her backyard in the forest and she's like make sure you show him the mule farm and he's like okay okay and alright grandma and then he so takes us to the mule farm looks at the mule farm and he's, she's got twelve horses, 12 mules there and she has stories for each one of them and later that night she talked about every one of them as if they were her kids but we're walking down the forest and this is the We're walking through. She's got about eight acres in her backyard. And about four of those acres kind of stand out in the distance in there. It's all thick forest. Um, And it's called Camp Grandma. And what this thing is, no joke, is a four-acre preserve that she has created and she has maintained. And this is all... Parents by permission. So there's a little sign in the entryway that says Parents by Permission. And she's built a cabin, she's built ponds, she's built docks, she's built trails, and there's a little box underneath the entrance that has a that has a sign that's very clearly says all electronics in here. And so that night, all the grandkids came over, and there were about ten grandkids roaming around, fishing for tadpoles, running on trails, climbing trees, getting muddy. Like this was what she created to protect what I think so many of us in this room probably remember from growing up which was noted as being free range kids. How many of you were free range kids? Can you look at these hands, America? Okay, so we we have a lot of work to do to think about how right how many of our kids now are are free range kids. It's, you know, you might have a few in the room, but it's a, it's a different type of so that was a big walk away to see someone who fought really hard to maintain that, that the importance of that free-rangeness. Um, so, kind of moving through that hospitality, that story, and so many other stories. Um, after this walk, I, I was compelled um, in so many ways. What did I learn? You know, at trusting strangers, huge, in front, always. Trust first, not fear first, in front, always. The spontaneity of things, and being open and creating space for the spontaneous, trusting the unknown, and being okay with the fog. That's had. in fact, chase it, chase the unknown a little bit more, and see what comes. Um, you know, w- but more than anything, one of the biggest things that came from that was what what had changed for me, and that was walking, like literally the pace of three miles per hour. Um, right, we have, the, we have all the physical benefits of walking we have the, the, the you know, heart disease and, 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 how we, and hypertension and diabetes and we can list the health physical benefits but what was more real to me than anything was this, this really, really big list of, of mental wellness, emotional wellness and communal wellness connection to self, connection to others who are different connection to place in a way that we're, we're engineered to be doing more of and so as I think about these benefits and as I thought about them, I came back and I'm like, I have got to figure out how to bring other people into this. I have to get creative. And how do I bring more people into how we're built to be moving and connecting? Not just the physical fanny pack Fitbit walk. like the, the f- the, the inherent form of transportation that is the prescription to so many of the ailments that are in front of us and around us and inside of us. So how do how do I get really creative with a social business structure to get more and more people into this into this space? Um, so in two thousand twelve, I experimented taking people on walks and I tried a lot of different things and um, and walk to connect was born. Um, this is a it's walk walk the number two and connect and it's um, and it was. It was, a, it was and still is a full-blown experiment when you have our built environments that are built for the auto and we, we're every, around every corner we're going at 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. How do we create a social business structure that works within that? How do we create behavior change? Our mission at Walk to Connect, and I say our because it is truly a community of people now, Um, Rachel Holtine, who's in the back, um, she is my colleague. So Walk to Connect now has two full-time staff people, which is really exciting. (laughs) It's a big deal. (laughs) And we are, uh, yeah, it is just this really fun, creative environment. But our mission is we transform walking from a choice to a behavior to a lifestyle. And so these are through same time, same place, weekly free walking trips that go all over the Front Range. One of them, Saoirse, who's here, city councilor, who has a group called Golden Walks, which we have signups here for walk to connect email and for Saoirse, so just check that box because she is rocking it here in Golden. How many of you have heard of Golden Walks, by the way? Okay, a few of you have good. So if you haven't been on her walks, they're amazing. She creates a really good space. But Walk to Connect, we want to move you along this timeline. So it's it's the free, it's the weekly, but it's also we have long distance, 12, 15 mile days. We have multi-day trips that are two, three days. We call them Camino and Colorados, um, and so. And and we're also doing communications and all kinds of different things to just promote the the, the issue of walking, but also connecting it to walkability. How do we make places more walkable? How do we invest in walkable, I mean, Golden, you're on it in so many ways, but how do we take even what's in Golden and do it in other places and create the importance of how our country, our families, our friends, ourselves, um, how we need to be connecting more, because we're built to be connecting this way. Um, and so we're, we're getting as creative as we can to do that. Um, we have a membership program and all kinds of things. So I am past 20 minutes already. I'm bad at time, but it's about, we're at 22. So I am, I, I want to, I want to really quick, so I'm going to hand these out. We're, I know we're going to break, um, but I'm going to hand these out to everybody. This is a little gift certificate gift card here and what this is is it's permission for it it outlines permission for you to block out a half day or a full day. It's roughly one or two counseling appointments roughly keep that in mind. One to two chiropractic sessions six to ten daily recommended workouts. It's a 101 course in cultural social anthropology it's a 101 course in placemaking and walkability. It's a local business tour and so much more. And it's permission for you to block out half a day or a full day to walk around your own community and to do that for three hours or for six hours. And I'm telling you, this is going to heighten your wellness in, in big ways. And we want to hear from you if, if and when it does. So I'm going to hand these out, and then we'll break for beer, and then I think we're doing Q&A. So.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. We are going to take about a 10-minute break for everyone to get some more beer or food or dessert, and we'll be back in about 10 minutes to ask Jonathan lots of questions. I'm ready. All right. All right, everybody. Jonathan says he is ready for your questions. He's just having a quick sip of beer to prepare himself. So (laughs) I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan, and we're going to ask him questions for about 20 minutes or so. So if you've got a question, just raise your hand. And um, just one quick thing. Carl, raise your hand. Um, have, if you are not on the Golden Beer Talks email list and would like to know about future talks, Carl's got a scrap piece of paper, but it really will translate into you getting emails later on. All right, Jonathan. Yep, thank you. Okay.
2: All right. Okay. Questions? Um, tell me about your experience with silence. hmm she asked, "Tell, tell her, tell uh, tell us about the experience of silence on the walk." I, I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, it was a- absolutely present and all the time. I mean, it was. When you think about, right, you, you're walking through these towns, you have these destinations with people and communities and host families, but talk about all of those miles in between, okay? Like you're talking from town to town, especially as we get going west, there was 120 miles between a fill station at times. So you're talking about days and days and days of of, of silence, and it was the most profoundly beautiful thing one of the most, next right next to hospitality, was the, were those moments of. That's why I'm always quick to say with our long distance walking trips with Rock to Connect or things that we're doing. Thank you. Um, is it, it's the meditative, contemplative connection to self is so so uniquely um, held when doing something like that um, because it's there's still motion. So to, to piggyback off of that a little bit. When I to, to go a little deeper into mental and emotional health, you, you have to realize like th- there's there's a, when you're moving, okay, your eyes are kind of scanning your environment back and forth slowly. So not only is it relaxing from just the, the what you're seeing and what you're experiencing, but it's slowly taking thoughts and things that, like places of pain, hard things, things that are that are that are heavy, things that have been stored in in, in deep places, things that have been locked up because. We're going fast out there. We're covering it up. We got walls. And walking allows literally the, that motion. It's like a, I, I, I like to v- verbalize it as a drip system. It, it allows you to process not aggressively, not force, not with force, but this, this gradual processing of, of emotions. And So, you know, there's, there's so many benefits, and the silence was a huge part. I'm glad you asked that too. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that comes up, right, so you are putting yourself intimately into the, the decisions of the, our environment, right? So, so in the summer, I, you know, one of the things that comes up right away is when um, the one time that I got close to just putting the flag up, like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, was um, when I was in Missouri, St. Louis, in the middle of summer. So, anybody that grew up in Missouri, how you survived that is a, is a trip to me. And Colorado is an oasis that so many people will never understand but you. <laughs> um, so, I, the, the heat got really intense at times. So, I had to, and my dog um, would, his physical health in the heat, he would literally communicate by just falling over. He'd just fall. He was fine, but he'd just look at me like, no, dude. No. So you can pick my 90 pound <laughs> body up and drag me. Um, the, the other pieces, I, I, because I had never done this before, um, I had sought advice from a few people before, and said, hey, the, the people who had finished, and, I, and, and uniquely, these were... Um, two women who had done Cross America walks on their own that I had reached out to and, um, initially. And they gave me some great advice. And I asked them, how do, I, how do you physically prepare for something like this? How do you get, you know, and, and, and they had good questions about, well, how in shape are you generally? And are you active? And so I think those general baseline questions are important. And I was fairly active, but not in great, wh- what I thought would, should be walking, hiking, long distance, backpacking shape. And their advice to me was, you will walk yourself into shape you will and your body will tell you when you're doing too much and your body and if you listen to it if you listen to your ankles if you stretch if you take breaks if you drink tons of water more than you could ever imagine then your body will adapt because we're built engineered physically we've evolved in so many ways beyond our understanding because we can walk at great lengths and so you know it's one of the most accessible inviting choices we have to to really become physically um, healthy in in so many ways. So the weather was a big one for me, um, and then just trusting that my body would tell me what's up. I didn't get many blisters, though, so I got pretty lucky with blisters. I think maybe five or six total the whole trip, which is amazing. So Solomon North Face, there's a little plug there. Those were the shoes. (laughs) Yeah. What is your most absolute favorite So, okay, I'm going to answer that with, with, so absolute, without a doubt, um, and, and, and it's kind of what I shared with you all about rural Nevada, um, the, high, the high desert, the desert is, is just, if you, can, if you can break away and, and be in that space for, for, again, not Sahara sand, dune, desert, but like high desert, this is Nevada, this is, it's changing, there's forest at the top of the mountains, there's, there's diversity, um, just unlike anything hands-down favorite. Locally, one of my favorite places, and I was just telling Pamela this, um, is is South Table Mountain. You guys have this gem that all of you know is right behind you, and I am on that thing all the time. I take groups there. I do reflective, contemplative walks there. I walk to connect. We do a two-day trip where we start at the base of South Table, and then we walk all the way to Denver and stay in a hostel, and then walk back. It's a nice little under-40 two-day experience, if you're interested. (laughs) Um, But South Tabor Mountain is is a personal. I if I need to clear the head, I'll come down here and, and take take my time up there because I feel like every day I'm up there, it looks different, and it's peaceful, it's close, it's, uh, so it's one of my favorite places. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about the night sky. It, yeah, it, it's um I, I'm, I I left that walk and constantly w- with this art like this frame that I, I like to say our true ceiling you know this this like it it was so grounding to be in bed by eight <laughs> and to be with the stars and to be up with the stars uh, I think for anybody in here a lot of you are hikers backpackers it's very it's that same story of how, how we process the world and connect to the world and the seasons and under the stars. I mean, it just, it was, it, was, it was transformative for me. Absolutely. That I could survive that. That I could, I'd never really done that before. So for me, as this 26-year-old male who was just not connected to things like that, to be out doing that was transformative. So those of you who are invested in and are doing that with young men and, and young women, with all of us, it's, it's big work. It's beautiful work. So... Yeah. You spoke a lot of the hospitality experience. Did you ever have a challenging personal experience that you worry? Yeah. Uh, so I have some really funny stories, but I'm not. I, I can't get into all of them. Um, t- so to answer that right away, there were no really negative experiences, and it's it's amazing to say that. It's amazing to say that. 242 days on my own, no van behind me with guns pointing out of it. Like I I was on my own. Now. There was a kind of a... You know, I'm aware. I'm 6'5". I've got a dog that looks like a wolf. And there's things that like, okay, that probably helped in that scenario. Um, You know, so I'm aware of that. But at the same time, to have talked to two women who had done it on their own and were safe um, is... is, So I, I had teenagers throw tomatoes. That wasn't fun. But they're teenagers. But it really... So I would say the most unsafe I felt on the entire trip um, and for those of you that followed um, there was a guy named um, Joe Bell. I don't know if anybody remembers this story but he was walking across the country going east and he was walking for his son. His son had um, committed suicide around his sexual orientation and he was walking in to represent this mission and he was, um, he was adamantly, and I knew him, I connected with him in Boulder and he's an amazing guy and we talked at length and As he left Denver, um, he was adamantly he wanted to walk at night. He's like, that's where he can get the most miles out. And outside of Denver, going east, um, he was hit by a truck and killed instantly. Um, And and so that that there were, it's just thanking my lucky stars that I didn't get. I mean, there were. I, I mean, I can't even count how many time, how many close calls, because a semi truck driver didn't see me, or this person didn't see me, and I never walked at night. But the auto issues were were the most dangerous, and I definitely had some odd. Um, you know, you trust, you, you lean into trust, and so people say, "Hey, you're, this is great, what you're doing? I got some friends back home, and you can come over and stay, and I'm gonna just jump in the back of my truck, and we'll just go." And it's like. Ooh. We're going to talk a little bit longer. So how's it going? I'm really thankful. I'm open. I've had some great experiences. You're great. But let's keep talking. And so we did. And So there were some weird things that would happen. Just kind of awkward home things that you're just not used to that are kind of funky. And you have to kind of work your way around. And, and, and there were a couple times where I just said, I, I, I'm actually, I love Sleeping under the stars, and I'm just going to sleep outside with my tent because it's just I'm used to that. So I had to do that a couple times, but, (laughs) but nothing, nothing, nothing negative, from 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 being, you know, threatened by people, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How much did this whole trip cost? Money. Yep. So um, so one, so this it was such a there's there's a sliding scale. in in how you want to plan something like this if you really really so I was pretty I was low on the. I I didn't want this I did not stay in hotels unless they were gifted by police I I connected a lot with police officers which was (laughs) funny and but they ended up being some of the most hospitable amazing people in my circle like they were always for me and a lot of times I would call the dispatch it's what I tell people who are planning a cross-country walk and not doing like a long-distance trail I said Call the local dispatch and say, hey, if you don't have a place to stay, I'm walking across the country. This is what I'm doing. Here's my website, if you have one. And they can, they'll can, they give you a place to stay in a local park, or they'll tell you, ah, oh, just go behind the fire the fire station, you'll be fine. I won't tell anybody. I'll tell everybody you're out there and things like that. But um, the cost, I, so for me, total, so this is leaning into um, crowdfunding, which worked really well for me. Um, at the beginning, I started with $1,000 to my name. Okay, so that's all I had. And I just knew that I had to do this, whether or not I had, my soul was tied to it, and I had to do it regardless. So I really went into it with so many unknowns. I did set things up to be received pretty well by Kiva. Um, They were, I sent them this proposal, so I'm a freelance graphic designer. I was, not anymore, but so I put this package together and I mailed it. Yes, I physically mailed it, not emailed, so I physically mailed this package and it arrived and it was this, and the marketing director just called me and she was just floored and excited and, um, but she was like, we're a nonprofit. we earmark our dollars, we can't pay for the budget that you've put here. And the budget that I set was about $10,000. So, um, and that, the biggest line item out of that budget was dog food. Um, And making sure that my dog was cared for. So I had some extra money set aside for vet bills. And again, I didn't have this money when I started. It was just the idea of what I wanted. Um, And it was for shoe replacement because I went through eight pairs of shoes. Destroyed one pair a month. And it was also for um, the luxury of sticky booth diner cafes. (laughs) I wanted... The cafe, independent cafe culture, um, and if I could save a little bit of money to get a little bit of breakfast or a little bit of lunch um, going through a small town to get away from almonds, then um, then I would. So those were the only things I saved money for. So And Kiva and ended up sharing, so this is an interesting segue, left with $1,000, two weeks into the walk, I'm on the Potomac River about to run into a flooding river. And I'll never forget, kind of, the rain's coming down, the the, the the rangers telling me to get off the trail, and all of a sudden my phone just starts blowing up, like bing, 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 email, 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 and it's literally donation after donation, $500, $200, $50, $100, $75. Kiva agreed to send out an email to their 700,000 people at the time, saying that I'm doing this walk and to support me. And so within a week, $10,000 was funded. Website shut down, everything was amazing. So... You just never know when you put it out there. You just never know. So,
0: yeah.
2: Always against traffic. Against traffic walkers. Yep. How come the dog didn't do the whole trip? So, this was... um, Someone else asked me this, too. Um, It was... uh, Kansas was the big test. How he could handle the heat. He was a blue heeler husky, so he had the blue heeler, you know, kind of the farm blue heeler, but he also had the thicker coat of the husky, and I just didn't, just didn't know. And so Missouri, Kansas, when he kind of got too hot and he flopped, <laughs> it was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. And um, and then it was the water, um, knowing that I'd be 120 miles at times between Phillips stations carrying that much water for a dog that drank a lot of water Um, it just the conflict of so Colorado Utah border friends picked him up and took him in and then I just went on for two and a half months and it was it was perfect because it allowed me to be really more present in the desert and to not have to worry about caring for him and all the stickers in the Utah sand and it it was definitely the right decision yeah yeah
0: What, what were the necessities in your backpack
2: oh my gosh Absolutely <coughs> Tarp You'll, I, I, You think like oh, I don't need a tarp Tarp was great Because there were so many places I slept Ditches, sides of the road Things like you just wouldn't want to put your So it was just good to have a tarp I think about that first um, One of the things uh, that comes to mind First aid kit, having a good first aid kit, just having enough band-aids and enough um, of the... So because I only got five or six blisters because I was constantly band-aiding toes and where those parts of my foot were getting sore, extra socks were huge um, because I'd go through a couple pairs a day and then I'd dry them and wash them. Um, Only one pair of, this is gross, (laughs) Uh, but I only had one pair of pants for half the walk and then I exchanged it for another pair halfway through. Same thing with a shirt. Like I had really one shirt for four months. It was gross. I mean, the stains in these things. But but talk about like like just this relationship with the shirt. So that was so so really simplifying clothing was fascinating. Um, Sunglasses, sun protection. So you know those hats that look like you're you know the camel kind of like you know and so those as goofy and as horribly ugly as they are that thing was like this that was a gift and I did not start with one of those so that that happened more as I got in the heat and that was a huge necessary item um walking poles were great oh I could go on and on but having a little um you know your 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 light your headlamp was huge for reading at night and and doing things like that so yeah I did have oh yeah, well sleeping bag. Oh I mean, I could go on, but the, the <clears throat> I didn't. I found that I didn't. I don't know that I would need the sleeping bag. I mean, I could have done like. I found that I was more or less more times than not because of when I went, March to um to early November. I was really cold. I usually mostly slept outside of the sleeping bag. So, um, but the sleeping pad was great. Oh yeah, all those things. If you can fit them, the, those little luxuries make a world of difference. A light, lightweight, small tent too. Yep. Yeah. I got to save the shirt and pants. Oh. I have the shirt. Awesome. it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah, and I and my friend um, my friend took my first pair of shoes that I destroyed and she cut off the bottom of it and framed it. It's this cool little art piece. But yeah, like things like that are just you build a relationship with that stuff. Like that stench and just it's weird but it's totally nostalgic. It's sick. Yeah. I, I almost want to like put it in like an airtight container to just see what grows <laughs> from it. Because I, I swear something would. I know you had a question. Did you have one at one point? Or someone did. Okay, yeah. So, you talked about almonds, but really, what were you eating most of the time? Were you packing food or get, people were feeding you? What was happening food-wise? Yeah, so, <clears throat> it was um, all the above. She asked, what, what were you really doing food-wise? Um, just were people feeding you? What, what did you have? So, I... um. Almonds were always like front and center. So I, Blue Diamond got a huge part of my um, economic story for the walk. But the, um, <clears throat> the other thing was... Oh, God, I have so many funny stories of people trying to give me food. Um, so the, a lot of people would stop and just offer food, which was wonderful. Um, I got a lot of just food that was just given at different times. Um, it, was, it really was whatever was at the gas station... One of the funny things regarding—I don't want to call it food, but I'll just—just because it makes me think about it. um, This is—and you know—you never predict this kind of stuff. But about as I was getting towards the hotter climate, Illinois, Missouri, I'm walking, you know, again in silence for hours, right? So there's a beautiful, beautiful piece to that, but there's also this crazy piece that starts to take shape, and uh, (laughs) so I started to hallucinate, and my main constant. Con- like image that would come out of the clouds by four or five hours into the walk in the heat was this hand that would come out of the clouds and, I, and, and, I, and it's just so clear and it would clo- slowly come out of the clouds and then this, this floating, twirling Dr. Pepper can <laughs> would slowly make its way to the hand and it would drip on me as I would, as I would get closer to it and the hand, and you could see the pulse on the veins of the hand, and you were just so in that moment. And then the Dr. Pepper would, and then the, the sound of the cracking of the can, and I'd just be walking like this, you know, just like, you know, totally out of it, totally obsessing, and it would just pour all over me at some point, and then I'd just have this moment with, oh, God. So, and, and the result, so the product of that would be that the first gas station that I saw, you know, like people are like, you need some water. I'm like, give me the biggest Dr Pepper you have. <laughs> now, is it cold? Where is it? Like, and I would, and I literally, like, people would, and people would walk with me a lot, like friends and family, and they would just be shocked by it because I'd go right in, grab the Dr Pepper, come right out of the gas station, sit right next to the trash can that's right next to the entrance, and like my eyes would just be, you know, like I'd I'd just be totally hypnotized, and then once that was. Halfway, I could never finish it. It was just the, that that awkward, amazing first couple sips of nasty soda that would just satisfy me to then get water and and food. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I have um, never entertained the idea of doing something like this, but i recently started reading books about people such as yourself that are doing these types of things.
0: Yep.
1: Because when I think about walking along the road, I live rural,
0: rural in Wisconsin, and yep. I'm, I'm thinking about loud and
1: rushing by and dirt and dust and debris, and, and I can't hear. I can't hear what I'm out there. You know, it, like the reason I'm out doing this is almost blo- blocked and being kind of it's obscured because of all that other. So, what made you decide to do road versus?
2: Appalachian or Pacific Crest or Colorado or Bay or- yep yep that's a great question um, so does everybody hear that question okay so she asked um, what 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 you know thinking through different why people do trips like this why they take on journeys like this and that she, she named like, it almost seems contradictory to go on roads versus trail, because trail, would you would connect more, you'd be able to, you'd be, go in, or you wouldn't be distracted by the busyness and things like that, so why did you choose road? Um, so what was really aware to me pretty quickly after the first couple days was that I had an abundance of time, of silent time, quiet time, on these rural roads, on these neighborhood streets that I would find these awesome greenway trails that these all these interconnected little trails that would get me from this place to the next i could i would talk to locals and i'd go through ra- their ranches to get to i mean i would really reach out one of the things i didn't mention about what i learned from this trip is um social interruption um like you in a healthy way like we could all use a little more interruption sometimes to just Go after, um, if you believe in something, to go after and go up to somebody and knock on their door and say, hey, I'm walking across the country. Do you mind if I... I know the town's on the other side here. Do you mind if I just walk through your your, your ranch space here? And that worked all the time. And I always have, I have so many great, colorful stories from doing that. Um, I was really aware... And this was, again, I didn't know this at the beginning, which is why at the beginning I chose the ADT because I was of that mindset where I'm like, God, I, I, I want that trail. I, don't, I can't even think about walking Highway 50 the whole way through or through the States. Like I, I, so I started on the ADT, but it was really quickly into that trip that I realized oh, I really am enjoying what I'm learning um, with this, the, the, the integration of things. To me, walking on the roads, not all the time, the busy ones, but I needed to it's a lot of time. To me, it integrated the reality of things, the reality of transportation, the reality of how we move, and and how. So I, I saw, I went after it as a learning opportunity too. Like I want to learn more, I want to dig in, I want to go through. It's hard, but I also realized that I. I wanted people. I wanted to share this with people and the roads would take me to the towns and it would take me to the villages and I would get to observe how people congregate on the main streets and the different restaurants and I would get to talk with neighbors in front of their mailboxes for hours and have these coffee conversations in their robe when this, again, tall, awkward creeper with his big wolf dog come walking up at 6.30 in the morning on their road and they're out just getting the paper and what in the hell are you doing walking out here with that big... you just sit in their front porch and it was within the first couple of weeks of doing that I realized that's what I was cha- I wanted more of that I just wanted more of that um, and and I got plenty of silence like just isolation but there were times there were absolutely times where I'm like why am I, why am I on this road why are all these vehicles the stress of the vehicles so it was, it was, a, it was a both and at times yeah Oh my gosh! I would absolutely do it again. Um, I, I just to change it up. I would do a different route, maybe north to south. Um, so a, a year after, well, what's that? Yeah, something. And, and so two years later, my father and I did the Camino de Santiago together. Um, so if anybody, does anybody know what the does everybody know what the Camino de Santiago is? Does anybody not know? Okay. So the Camino de Santiago, plant the. Sea um in your bucket list or well, at least go look at it at least there's a movie out called the way with martin sheen there's also a documentary that can give you a, a frame for this but it's a 490 mile pilgrim path walking path across spain the main route is it's actually a, a, it's a it's a there's fingers of routes that go all over europe that feed into this pilgrim path and it's since 800 AD has been this Inviting on foot space for healing, religious practice. It's 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 this amazing. But now people from any and every faith background, everyone is is going on this pilgrim path um, for various reasons to heal, to connect, to grow, to slow down. And it's a net. This trail, this walking path, is unlike anything in the world because it's truly connecting village to village, city, city, village, and it's just this one walking path. And you share it with people from all over the world. Every day, people show up from all over the world, and you share the on-foot journey together in ways that will that will be with you for the rest of your life. And that's really what it is. Has anybody in here done it? Anybody? Oh my gosh, okay. So, it, it, so the Camino is essentially, um, it's something that comes up as you know, so that was the next step for. I, I really wanted to, to to check that out, but I wanted to bring my father into what I had learned on the walk, and that was the perfect version because you don't need to carry your tent. What makes it really unique is you don't need to carry your tent. And you're sleep- you might want a light sleeping bag, but um, you stay in hostels. You have a bed every single day, and you have options depending on your economic story and how much money you want to spend. And, uh, it's just unlike anything in the world and we have in, uh, leaning into Walk to Connect and what we're trying to promote here is you know, the seeds that we're planting with Walk to Connect, I, I only dream of having more Camino-like paths that are designated protected, invested, that connect us to each other the way we're built to and that's that's the story of so much of Walk to Connect is that we've, we're base building to get more people um, you know helping us get to that vision because we can still travel by car when we need to, but it doesn't need to be the only transportation story from place to place. so um, so yeah, at some point I'm going to do more long distance trails. oh, I'm hooked, I'm forever hooked. Yeah. Okay, one more question. I saw that hand right there. or is, someone hasn't asked a question Yeah. Oh, a lot. Oh my God. And I can't even tell you. Forrest Gump was my name from sea to shining sea. That was, Forrest Gump was everyone's context for what the heck I was doing. Everyone. Which just made it fun. So I learned the lines and I played along with it. And I even got a beard at one point just to make fun of it. And oh, it was great. Yeah. Like a fake beard. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Thank you so much. Oh, I'm
2: I want to add too, um, just make sure you connect with Susha because Golden Walks has tons of stuff happening here. So, all right, thanks. All right.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. That was wonderful, and we really appreciate it. How about one more hand for Jonathan being <laughs> yeah. here tonight? before everybody leaves I just want to let you know that we will of course have another beer talk next month um, We are we, our speaker is Bill Philpot, and he is the author of a book called Vacation Land and I haven't read the book but apparently his talk is going to be about how I, the I-70 corridor became a place people went to for vacation and in the post-war era and how that made some of us move here and look at this state in a different way and the political ramifications the environmental ramifications. So it should be interesting. I think it might be controversial, which is always fun at our beer talks. So be sure to be here next month, February something like, is it the 10th, 12th? It even, the 10th. Thank you. So February 10th. And if you want a reminder again, Carl is somewhere over there with a scrap of paper he'll jot down your email and we'll send you a reminder Um, thank you all for being here tonight stay warm on your ride home and we'll see you next month